The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Saturday, June 6th. The Evolution of Style, Vintage Tastings with Rogue and New Holland. Presented by Adam Lambert, New Holland Brewing Company. And Brett Joyce, Rogue Ales. Welcome to Savor, an American craft beer and food experience. Put on by the Brewers Association, the national nonprofit organization that represents small and independent craft brewers. My name is Pete Johnson. I'm with the Brewers Association. I want to welcome you. A couple housekeeping items before we get started. Please uh, wait to enjoy the beers that are served until prompted by our speakers. Uh, they're happy to take questions during the presentation. Uh, we're going to have about 10 minutes per beer, so things are going to move along pretty quickly. Uh, and finally, this session is being recorded. It's going to be available on craftbeer.com afterwards. So please, I'd ask you, if you have a question, raise your hand. I'll dash over to you with the mic. Uh, so we want to make sure we get all the questions recorded. Okay, so our salon tonight, the evolution of style, vintage tasting with Rogue and New Holland, with our speakers, Brett Joyce from Rogue Ales and Adam Lambert with New Holland Brewing Company. Please join me in welcoming our speakers. Thank you, Pete. It's ni- whoa, whoa, whoa. It's nice to, nice to be here. Thank you, everyone, for coming. I know it's a, it's a great night. You have lots of great beers out on the floor, and we appreciate you taking time out of Savor to come join us tonight. This is, this is a really fun thing for Adam and I to do. Uh, Adam and I are, are great, great friends. We actually worked together at Rogue many, many years ago and have an amazing friendship. And so we don't really typically do lots of this type of thing, but once, uh, once I saw that this uh, Adam and New Holland were in, in Saver, and we got in the, in the Saver this year via, it's a lottery process. Uh, we sort of got together and said, hey, we have to do something together since uh, it's a rare opportunity for us to, to be here both together at Saver. So, uh, so again, thanks for being here. Uh, Adam, it's great to, great to see you. And do uh, you have any, any words for the, the group here? No, I think you got it covered. Yeah. I'd, I'd refer to Brett as Brett Royce for the rest of the meeting. It's an internal joke here. Or Jack's kid. Oh, so no, that's no. All right, so what we're going to do, we have, a, we have six beers we're going to take you through, and we're going to start with, with a rogue beer that's called Old Crustacean, and we're going to start you with, a, we'll taste you on, on three New Holland beers and three, three rogue beers, and so the Old Crustacean is a barley wine we've made for over 25 years, and the first one, we're actually going to go oldest to newest, so the first one that we're going to, going to pass out here is in 1999, so this beer has been waiting for 16 years for all of you fine folks to come here to drink it. So think about it, 16 years, this has been like in a cooler, preserved, safe, like you know, nobody running a forklift into it and breaking it. It's like a lot can happen to a beer in 16 years. Uh, and so, so while they're passing out, I'll just, I'll just talk a little bit about it. So this is one of our original, original beers. It's, it's hard to keep these beers around because, because we want to drink them, because we want to share them, because, because stuff happens to, to beer when it's in a brewery for for that long. So, uh, so what you're going to experience here with, with this one, and, and as, you, as you drink these beers tonight, please, you know, kind of hang out with the flavor of it and the aroma of it. Stick your nose into it, and then remember what you, what you get from it, especially as you compare it to the other beers that we're going to share with you this evening. So what you'll get from the Old Crustacean being, you know, being 16 years old, really the, the aroma will be fairly 
minimal compared to the other beers. So there'll be some aroma, but like as you as you get the 06 and you get the 2013, you you definitely will get a lot bigger hop aroma uh, in the in the the newer beers. And so as you as you try this again, stick your nose into it, smell, and as you taste it, what you're going to get is a lot of maltiness, a lot of sweetness, almost like a port-like flavor because uh, because the hops are, are basically you know not very present after the course of 16 years. So you know as you taste the 13, you taste the six, you're going to get a lot more hop aroma, a lot more bitterness, a lot more bite, uh, which is also wonderful. But just uh, but just yeah, yeah, give this a, you know give this a swirl and and let us know you know if you have comments or questions, please. But this is really going to be the mellowest of the of the three old crustaceans that you taste. Uh, it's going to have the most kind of sweetness. Uh, the malt backbone is still there after 16 years, which is really, really amazing. This was hard work to, you know, to practice. Adam and I had to practice for this, so we had like uh, several sessions on our own, like at home. And we're, we're pouring these beers, and we're we're taking pictures, and we're sending each other the pictures, and you know, our wives and girlfriends are like, hey, "What are you guys doing?" And we're like, "Hey, we're working. This is this is what we do." So, um, but it's actually it's really really fun for at least for me, and I think for Adam also to to have the chance to to stop and slow down. And, and really do this. We, you know, we're so busy with what we do. It's actually, you'd be surprised how rare it is when you have the chance to, to hit the stop button, hit the pause button, and really enjoy and experience these, you know, these great beers that, uh, that we've made for you. So any questions or comments as, as you taste these, uh, these beers, folks? How does the alcohol preserve and last over this period of time? Is it the original ABV bottling, or does it decay, or what's it? Where is it now? No, it's yeah, it's the same. And this uh, the the ninety nine actually in the in the three the ABVs are actually all slightly different, uh, just because the the beer ch you know changed a little bit the original recipes over time. So this this first one you're going to have is is twelve point two percent, and so the the original ABV that we that we designed and, and intended. With the old crustacean from '99, is still is still what it is uh, what it is today, 12.2. What style was it? Yeah, so this um, excuse me, yeah, this is a barley wine. So old crustacean is a is a barley wine, which is you know categorized by you know, as you might think, you know, lots of barley, still has a huge huge hop content to it, but. Uh, but uh, but a wonderful style. It's not you know it's not technically a wine, but it's uh, you know the closest maybe that the beer can get to a a wine like wine like product. Yes. Uh, do you run into any issues with the caps leaking and getting oxidation um, over 16 years? That's a good question, and the the short answer is no. Like the the caps don't leak. Although I, I will say this that. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the the, the bottles that the the '99 bottle that uh, was poured into your glass was a was a shorter bottle. Yeah, like like you see here, and then the the, the two other bottles you'll see uh, have a different package to them. So definitely for us, I noticed that the our bottling equipment improved over the years. So like our just our equipment was better as we as we got bigger and better equipment. So uh, so certainly there there's a you know a likelihood that there's probably a little more you know oxygen in the in the bottle in the early days. I noticed that when we opened the the 06 and the 13, like it's still like you still get that snap of of, uh, of carbon dioxide when you open the bottle from the the 06 and the and the and the 13. But when we open the the 99, there's there's nothing there. So I, I definitely think that 
technology and equipment had something to do with that also. Yeah. So did the malt bill change at all, or has that been the, the same malt bill? And as well, I guess, I, I forget when the hop crisis was. Have you changed the hops at all from 06 to 13 and 99? Right. So the malt bill changed just slightly. So we, we used the 99 and the 06 are actually very, very similar, identical malt bills. And then the 13 has a slightly different malt bill from the 06 and the 99. I think the most important question we have is, how did you store all of this for this long? Yeah, there's, there's no sexy answer to that. I mean, literally, it's in a corner of our cooler in our brewery. So there's, there's no, like, magic cave or hidden, you know, hidden off-site location. Like, it's, you know, big red tape, you know, do not touch. By penalty of death, you touch these products. That's how we preserve it over, over that long a period of time, yeah. How long do you think it will last, and what's allowed it to get this to, to age this long? Is it the alcohol, or was it secondary fermentation in the bottle? No, I think it's really the it's, it's the it's the alcohol. So the it'll last. I mean, I'm not going to say forever, but I mean, almost forever. So I mean, it, it, as as you'll see with the other beers, it just changes. So it, I won't say it gets better. I won't say it gets worse. But it definitely, and that's really the point of this evening is. The beers change. I think they, you know, they, they change in really interesting, dynamic ways. So, I mean, if you drink this in 5, 10, 15 more years, it's still going to be very, very drinkable, very enjoyable. It's just going to be, be a lot different. So that's really, that's really the beauty of, of what we're doing. And it's really not a lot different than what, what wine does. Wine, wine changes over time, and this is beer's version of that as a barley wine. Yeah. One more question on this beer. So there's, there's some beers that you can age and others that probably don't age very well. Like, how do you know whether, is it the style or is it the ABV? How do you know which kind of beer is going to age? It's really a combination of both. It's, it's style and what's inside of it. So it has to do with, with malt, has to do with ABV, has to do with whether or not it's got a big, you know, hop design to it. So it's really a combination of lots of factors. Uh, that make a beer, you know, something that you should sell or, or not. Like, you know, like, you know, big IPAs that are intended to be, you know, consumed while fresh, you know, those aren't things that I would recommend laying away, but lots of other beers, like, for example, if you've had our, uh, at our booth downstairs, we have a, a Marionberry Braggot, so a Braggot's a style that ages amazingly, which, because it's got, it's got honey in it as a preservative, so just one more example of a style that you might not think about that can age wonderfully over a long, long period of time. Okay, Adam. All right, I think uh, we've got a 2011 Dragon's Milk that we're pouring you guys. Um, New Holland's Brewery, we're in Holland, Michigan. Uh, been around for 18 years. Uh, I recently just moved from Dogfish to New Holland and previously uh, working with Brett over at Rogue. So, you know, I'm going to tell you some stuff where I'm probably BSing a little bit. But um, Dragon's Milk's been around for us for, God, almost 15 years. Um, the barrel-aged uh, bourbon stout um, spends uh, three months in barrel. Um, again, like, like what Brett said, for, for me to sit down and uh, we have a mantra at New Holland, we, what we call stop and taste. And uh, I sat down with these three different beers and laid them out in glassware and warmed them up a little bit and really got into the beer. So 
it's pretty interesting to see that the, the way that these three different beers have aged and, and moved forward in terms of their flavor profile. So what you have here is a um, 2011, um, and what I've, you know, beer and wine is very subjective in notes, and so I just want to give a little bit of what I felt when I was drinking this beer and tasting this beer and what I received out of it is, um, and back to, I think, the question on bottling and oxidization, there's... I think there's a little bit of that going on in this beer, but it's very sherry-like. Um, typically, dragon's milk is big, robust, chocolatey, cherries, uh, somewhat boozy, but not heavily boozy on the nose. And if, I think as you taste this beer, it's very refined. It's very sherry-like. It's very rainwater. Uh, it's a little effervescent on the palate. Um, it's somewhat, what I, I, I say, and this is not detrimental to the, to the beer, but it's very thin, so to speak, on the nose and the palate, but it's got these incredible flavor and this trajectory that kind of like goes like this a little bit. And I think, again, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, the grain bill and the ABB and so forth. I think this beer has settled out a little bit. And I had our QC guy, you know, I did my notes, my, my personal tastings on it, and then I had our uh, QC guy tell, you know, what are his thoughts on it? And he kind of paralleled what I was saying, that, that dragon's milk, six months, fresh, big, bold, and kind of crazy and in your face and too much, a little bit. And then, you know, 12 months, it kind of goes through this weird cardboardy, like, and then all of a sudden the fruit comes through, like, at, at, at 18 months, and then... This beer specifically was really, he, unbeknownst to me, he wrote his own notes on it. This is exactly the same that I got. I got this weird sherry, like, I love sherry Madeiras. I mean, just, the, and that's what I get in this beer, and that's what I, I really enjoyed in it. It's really like, holy shit, that's, look at the difference in just a three-year period in terms of, like, the flavor profile. So that's kind of what I got from that. This beer is, it's a double mash beer, so... We have a, you know, we're, we're no rogue, we're no dogfish, we've got a 50-barrel brew house, so we, we double mash on it, we do 50-barrel batch, probably knock out 35 barrels because of yield, because we use so much grain on it, and then we mash again right behind it, so it's a double mash beer, it spends um, uh, three months in barrel, then filtered, then bright beer, and then packaged, so... Even before, even if you see the freshest dragon's milk on the market, know that, quite honestly, it's probably a four, quote-unquote, from start to finish, it's a four-month beer before you guys even see it. So it's a big, bold beer. It's a lot of grain. It's high ABV. It's a huge hop profile. And it's also, it's a, it's a 35 to 40% of our production. So it's a day-in, day-out beer. So we have this incredible cellar. We buy bourbon barrels probably from just about every single distillery that's out there. I mean, you go into our cellar, you see Four Roses, you see Jack Daniels, probably see some stuff that we stole from somebody. So we kind of like, it's, we don't have any rhyme and reason what we're doing on our barrel aging program from where we source. Um, but it's a beer that, that's a labor of love for us. I mean, it really, to be able to, to turn out uh, a beer barrel, a bourbon aged, sorry, we, we do bourbon too, so I get um, to be able to uh, turn out a bourbon-aged stout day in, day out like we do is an incredible testament to the a guy that's working with me down on the floor, Jason. I mean, runs the entire, we have an incredible um, cellar that we work on. These are all individual small barrels. We don't have one huge barrel that we're working on. So, thoughts, comments at all? Yes. Yeah. 
ABV. Um, it fluctuates again. The, I think this one is probably a 10. By the t I think by the time we get to 2012, it's, it's 11. So right now, it's, it's averaging out about 11.4 on the day in, day out stuff. bourbon barrels that you use, do you mix the beer to get a uniform flavor? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's, truthfully, it's really, a, a, again, back to Brett's point, it's a, a lot like wine, it's a lot like, we have a distillery too, it's a lot like making whiskey, we blend out, we take it to sensory, we make sure that the blend is exactly in the profile that we're looking for, we do the analytics on it to hit the windows that we're looking for on the analytics on the style and, and all the key metrics that you can measure in beer. So it's a, it's a laborious blending pro process, quite honestly, yeah. So in order to get you the same in. Now, what you're drinking at right now, four or five years ago, we probably weren't as efficient as we are right now in terms of our blending process. But yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I call it kind of like a Solera system, like, a, like sherry, I mean, they, you know, they get sherry that's, Young sherry, old sherry, blend out new sherry, right? That's kind of, and that's what we work on, really a blending process. Adam? Yes? You kind of answered my question for a second. This kind of Madeira quality, when you mentioned Solera, I was curious to know, um, you get this oxidized, has kind of raisiny um, uh, aroma. Is that attributed to oxidation that you control uh, in the barrel? And the other thing is, do you control the temperature while it's aged in the barrel? That's, actually, that's a great question. Yes, we keep the barrel room at 48 degrees to kind of kill as much as we can on a, you know, natural elements that are happening in a barrel of, of booze. So, yeah, we keep it at 48 degrees, so we do the best that we can. Again, back to the question about quality, probably at that, you know, four or five years ago, our packaging equipment might have been a little bit different. Um, there is a level I feel in this beer that's, that's somewhat, I think gives it that sherry characteristic. It probably comes from a little bit of oxidization. No, quite honestly, whether that is pre-planned or not, I can't answer that. But I think it gives it a nice, it actually adds to the beer itself. I really like, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm full of shit, but I mean, you guys getting kind of a, a sherry flavor to it? I mean, it, it, thanks. Somebody give me some vindification on this. I mean, that's, that's that's what I got from it, and I, I can't, I asked our QC guy about that specifically, if, if that's what came from oxidization, or, you know, just the, just the way that maybe, again, the question on the grain bill, and if it changed, and, and so forth, so. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Do you get that same, like, sherry, you get kind of a Madeira rainwater flavor characteristic to it? A little bit thinner than probably Old crusty a little bit? I think you're full of shit. <laughs> Hold on, let me get to my notes. <laughs> Time for one more question on this beer. Thanks, Joyce. <laughs> Royce. Uh, this question is kind of close to the heart because I plan on making a beer like this myself. But um, how did you decide on three months in the barrel? That's interesting. I mean, um, extraction process. I mean, we did some testing on that. I mean, that's... this. I actually do know some information about this. Um, extraction process on it too. Like what, what we're trying to avoid, and when, when we get to the 2012, you see a little more booziness in the nose. We're trying to avoid that heavy booziness. 
So it's really like we want like a balanced, drinkable, barrel-aged, bourbon barrel-aged stout. Because there's a lot out there that you just get this huge like alcohol level. So I think what we came to grips with was at that three-month period, and it's different for every barrel, right? Just how much, you know, Angel's Envy has kind of gotten into the barrel. So it's different for everyone. So we found that that was like the kind of the threshold. Now, again, back to the question on blending, the blending of it and being able to can be consistent in that flavor profile. But we don't want it huge, boozy, one beer, and I'm like, holy shit, this is it, type deal. So that worked out best for us. So there's okay. a shortage on bourbon barrels. I mean, we're, we're going to have to figure out some stuff here in the future. So. Okay, Brett, you're up. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Adam. So before I jump into the 2006 Old Crustacean, I do want to give a, a shameless plug, and it's not even my plug. I don't know where, where Matt from Spiegelau just went, but uh, the, the glassware, like this little handout you have before you, I don't know how many people here have like style-specific glassware at your house. I was always a skeptic. I always thought like it didn't work, and you know, wine, didn't, you know, had it all wrong. And now that I've been through, we made a we made a glass with Spiegelau, and Adam did also an IPA glass when he was a dogfish. Uh, you, if you you guys are here for a reason because you're passionate about craft beer, and if you haven't tried a style-specific glassware, I really encourage you to do so because it does make a humongous, humongous difference. So, um, yeah, so anyhow, that's just a, a total, total aside. The, the one thing I do want to say about uh, this beer, and if you had a chance to look at the, if you have the, the 99 in front of you, is look at the color of the beer. One thing that really surprised me as I went through my, my process was the, looking at the, as I laid the three out, that the, the beer got darker and darker year by year, so the 99, the 06, and the 13, uh, it got progressively darker as the beer got older. And it, it didn't, uh, didn't make sense to me. And, and come to find out that it, the, the proteins over time, the proteins kind of fall out of the, of the beer. So that's why the, the beer, the older it is, even though it can be brewed identically, so the exact same recipe, the beer actually becomes a little bit darker over time and, and the, because the proteins fall, fall down into the beer. So it was really, really vivid as I, as I lined the beers up that... Uh, that the beers get so much uh, darker over, over time. So uh, anyhow, so this is the 2006. So this has only been waiting for you fine folks to drink it for nine years. So this has been lonely, looking for a, you know, a throat and a stomach uh, to find. And so what you'll, what you'll get if you stick your, again, stick your nose into this particular beer, the, the 06, you're going to get a lot more. I, I was amazed, actually, how much hop is still in there after after nine years, and after, you know, after 16 years, like I said earlier, it's mostly dissipated, but even after nine years, I still get a big, uh, a big hop nose, uh, tons of malt in there, and as you, as you put it on your, your tongue and your lips, you're gonna get the, you know, the, the bitterness of the hops, the, you're still getting the, the sweetness because of the, of the ABV, but it's, it's a lot more, even after nine years, it's still got like that, that sharpness that you get from a barley wine. So I was, I was actually amazed how, how much was still there, how vivid and bright the beer was after, after nine years. So uh, it was really fun for me to, to try and see how well the beer held up. And, and as I said also earlier to the question about the, uh, the packaging, I think the package has a lot to do with it. The, the bottle that you saw uh, poured is a ceramic bottle uh, with, a, with a cap on it. And so it, it really, you know, that, that bottle really holds up for celery, preserves the beer in a, in a great way. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, better, it's a better package for something if you're going to 
lay it down for a long time as, as we did with the, the 2006 Old Crestation barley wine. So, uh, yeah, so again, uh, yeah, in, enjoy and, and questions, comments, please. Let's, uh, let's have them. So with aging, it's, it's actually two questions. Um, with aging, vertical or horizontal? Some people have comments on, you know, you have more oxygen exposure or vertical, you have a little exposure to the liquid itself. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I'm curious what Adam says about that. I don't, I've never had that question before. Like me personally, I lay them down horizontally. What do you, what do you say about that? I, when, I, when I worked at Dogfish, we had a, a gal in, in our QC department that worked at Sam Adams, Sierra Nevada. She was the first female um, sake brewer in America. And I, I had the same question to her because we had such a big 750 program. And she said, stand them up. But, I, you know, I, again, I bullshit sales guy. I, yeah, you, know, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have an avid beer collection. I have an avid wine collection. And, and, and I lay my wine down and I keep my beer up. But the first part of my collection, when I was at Dogfish, I'd buy all the limited release stuff. I laid down. So I really, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, wine, they teach you to keep the, the cork wet, right? Exactly. I mean, but in beer, I mean, I, you know, uh, you, do you get the, it's yeah, do you get those, you know, do you get a beer cap flavor? I, that's the answer. I don't, I mean, it really, you know, it's true. I don't know. I just had one more real quick oh, yeah. one. Um, it was the, uh, with glassware, you know, did, when you were doing your homework, was it always out of a, a tulip or, I mean, if you have a pint glass and a tulip glass, the taste can be completely different. And were you guys always comparing in the same type of glass when you guys were doing yeah, comparing so notes? So unfortunately, yeah, I, I can't believe that, uh, that Matt left, but uh, they, they don't have a barley wine glass yet. So I just used a kind of a generic, I used the same glass for all three. So I used kind of a, a generic tulip glass just so that, would, so that my testing would be fair. Um, but I'm sure that, I'm sure that Spiegel Owl will develop a, a barley wine glass, and uh, I know they have, uh, uh, not, I guess they don't have a stout glass yet, but they have an IPA glass, they have a wheat glass. Um, so, yeah, it, there's no barley wine glass, but uh, certainly we had to, to make it a, a fair playing field as we tested, tested the beers. So I did, I did the same thing. I mean, I was showing Brett pictures when I tasted the beer. I used the Dogfish Head Sierra IPA glass because it, it I truly, again, I, I, I believe that this process has been incredible, like in terms of like the glassware and Spiegelau and what they've done. So I tasted all three of our beers, uh, two separate glasses. The IPA glass is, you know, it's the one that could accentuate the most flavor. And it really, it was unbelievable. I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer like Brett is. I mean, I just think, I cannot believe the flavor profile knows the richness that comes through for the right glassware, but it's blown my mind. I mean, it really has. So I did the same thing. I laid all three out, two separate glasses for each, made them consistent and tasted the beer. I'll even go so far as to say, like, there'll be a day when there'll be a, a glass for every style, and not even, like, there'll be a stout glass, and there is a stout glass, and there'll be an imperial stout glass, and there'll be an IPA glass and a double IPA glass. I mean, it actually makes that big a difference. Yeah, exactly. Like the Belgians, like the Europeans, they, they figured it out. So that's, that's all that, that's happening here. We're, I think we're finally in America catching up to the fact that great glassware, it enhances and it, it showcases what the brewer intended. And that's really the point. The brewer intended for his product to be consumed and presented and tasted in the, in the best way possible. And that's what, that's what great glassware highlights.
So I'm a home brewer and I do not like hops. Um, everybody knows that hops decrease as the beer ages. How long are we talking before there's a difference in the hop flavor? So, so how long before there's a difference in the, in the hops? Yes, before you can tell a difference in the hop flavor. Are we talking a couple months? Six months, a year, a couple of years. Yeah, that's always that's always a tricky question, and, and, and it depends, right, on, on lots of things. It depends on how the beer is, is stored, right. So if you assume the beer is stored in a in a solid way, if if it's you know not you know set out there in the sun in front of a window, that you know that type of thing. So my belief is that if the beer is properly stored, the you know, the hops will hold up for four, five, six months, you know, if properly stored. And again, every beer is different and the brewer intends something different. Um, you know, for this particular beer, you know, the, the, the story is, is, is hops and it's, it's barley. It's, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot happening together. So it's almost by design that in this beer, in Old Crustacean Barley Wine, that the, you know, the hops, and again, you'll get a chance to try, try the 2013, that the hops are going to, they're going to be a lot more a lot more prevalent, a lot more present, a lot more in your face in the 2013. And, if you, and we, we serve it fresh too. So that, that's where you get the hops there. We have a 2015, we have a 2014. So uh, the hops are gonna be a lot more present, obviously the, the fresher the beer is, but you know, they just sort of fade away. Maybe is the best way to say it, that the hops fade away gradually over time. So there, there's no, there's no exact science to it, and it depends on lots of things. But I think that's that's the beauty of of barley wine and big beers is how, especially if you wanna if you're into trying them at different ages and phases, you can kind of check in with them and, and try them as they're two months old, six months old, two years old, and and tonight, uh, 16 years old. I'd say also on that line, it's kind of like wine, right? With tannins, that's really how I look at it. I mean, right, the malt. The malt base is really, in my eyes, the fruit of wine, right? It's the grapes. Your hops, I mean, not, again, I'm full of shit, but the hops are, you know, your tannins, almost. I mean, that's how I look at it. And, like, how tannic does a wine become and the, the, the transition that wine goes through in terms of, you know, all of a sudden it's this fruit bomb, and then it's too tannic, and then it's too acidy. And so I, I look at hops kind of like that, too. It's just... This roller coaster ride of, of hoppiness and flavor profile and, and tannicness of wines and, 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 and beautiful red fruit of wine, too. All right, Adam, next beer. Oh, hold on, let me get to my notes here. Uh, uh, what did we get? Uh, 2012. Um, 2012, for me, um, this is a really interesting um, beer, quite honestly. And again, you know, very subjective on my end on, in terms of the tasting notes. This one, I got a lot of really whiskey characteristics to it. Now, this is a bourbon barrel-based beer, right? But I got this kind of crazy whiskey flavor and a little more bittery, a little more kind of like bitey um, characteristic to it. Um, it's a lot more roasty than the first one. This I, I'm. You know, I'm not reading a QC guy. This is what I felt on this again. Um, a lot more roasty characteristics to it. A little bit more. There's still some of that oxidization, sherry characteristics that I got there. Uh, slightly more um, cherry chocolatey fruit to it. But my, my overarching theme for this beer is what I, what I felt and what I found was there was a bite. It was kind of a whis whiskey bite to it. Now, 
you know, again, this, is, this was my personal and, and, you know, after I'd tasted through these beers for about an hour, I'd probably, my notes started to slur a little bit and, and so forth. But um, that's what I really got out of this beer. I, I really got kind of a, it was almost in flux. And again, going back to our QC guy, I was talking about this process where, the, you know, Dragon's Milk changes the, the six to 18 months and this flavor profile that moved around. And, and for me, this was, and even on the nose, a lot more boozy in the nose. But I'd, I'd be really interested to, to hear what you guys think and, and how it's showing right now. I mean, it's, this was, I, again, you know, Brett and I spend so much time, and I'm the VP of sales and Brett's the president of, of Rogue, and we spend so much time, quite honestly, selling and marketing and the infrastructure of our companies that we don't really get the time to, again, stop and taste and, and, and figure out what, what we're actually selling, what we're doing for a living, quite honestly. But, but I really got this, this beer was kind of unique to me, and it was kind of like the middle ground, and it is the middle beer in terms of this tasting. So I'd be interested. I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. Or not. <laughs> um, with, with the, with the uh, dragon's milk, I'm struck with like how crisp they, they've stayed, and I'm wondering if that's something you attribute to like the yeast you were using, or like some other like quality of the aging process. Yeah, it's 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 interesting process. I mean, it's is, and I, again, I you know I, I was spending some time with our QC guy, and we were talking about this, and and I wrote the the notes I wrote here pretty much answer your question. This is a, a double mash beer, so um, we add a little bit of Michigan sugar to it, raise the ABV in the mash tun. Um, it's fermented for two weeks. It's ninety days in uh, barrel. Um, then it's um, centrifuged out. And then it's bright beard tanked, so before packaging. So if you look at the length of what it takes to take this beer in terms of when you're getting it or let's say when we're packaging, there's a lot of work that goes in ahead of time, right? So even though it's an old beer, quote unquote, during process, it's a young beer when we're bottling and packaging and when it comes to market. So I, I you know, I, I, I literally just right here had written that and I, and I felt I think that's exactly why we get that freshness on it because it takes so much hard work and dedication and a lot of length to get where it is but the process to get it where it is is so intricate and so defined that I feel when we come to market it's a fresh beer. Do you treat or package your beers differently if you're intending on aging them for example do you bottle versus keg because kegging takes a lot longer to age? No, I mean, we, basically what we do is we, I inherited a program like this at New, New Holland at Dogfish. We would take basically a pallet of high gravity beer, anything over nine ABV. We'd take a pallet of cases and a pallet of kegs and throw them in storage. And I've just instituted this in, with New Holland, but we're doing basically the same thing. We'll take a, a full pallet of case goods and a full pallet of kegs. So there's no real, you know, there is a rhyme and reason to what we're doing, but it's not one way or the other. So, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to sit down, quite honestly, and taste these beers in draft and see what the differences are. I mean, I, I really would be, it'd be interesting to see if the, the characteristics do change based on... I'll help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Shit, I can only do this one time. I was, if you see the last end of my notes, they're a little, they're a little blurry down here. <laughs> one man can only drink so many 11% ABV beers in one sitting. Right, right here, right oh, yeah. um, Comment. There's a uh, distillery um, right down the road from you, Journeyman. Um, they're in Michigan, southwest Michigan, so you may want to get some of their barrels. But the question about it is uh, the barrels. Do you reuse the barrels? Yeah, that, that's actually a really great question. So another unrelentless sales pitch here on my part, like back to <laughs> Brett's point. Um, yeah, we actually, um, the neat thing is, is uh, we do this thing, it's called Life of a Barrel. Um, we do a one minute video. We buy these barrels from um, obviously distilleries uh, in the US, um, age uh, dragon's milk in it, but we also do a beer barrel bourbon. So once the beer is pulled out of it, we plunk our bourbon back into those barrels. So we make a beer barrel bourbon. And then once we're done with that and the bourbon's out of it, we actually make point of sale out of our um, barrels. So we have actually, we have a, a um, it's not a trademark, but uh, we're, we make a, a custom table and chairs. We have this process where we can make these chairs out of the staves from the bourbon barrel. and. And um, so we do what we call life of the barrel. We do one minute video, we bring it in, bring the barrels in, it shows them coming in, it shows them getting filled with dragon's milk, it shows them being depleted out of dragon's milk, it shows the bourbon going in, it shows the bourbon coming out, it shows our guys, we have a team that hand breaks down the staves of the barrel, we show them refurbishing them and show them building POS and then we show that in an account. So we do like a life of a barrel. So yeah, we do more than just plunk beer in them, we plunk whiskey in them, and then the next time you're in an account you see any, a, a, anything that resembles a barrel in an account, know that that was handmade by somebody in Holland, Michigan that works for us. And it aged beer, and it aged bourbon. So. Okay, Brett, back to you. Thanks, Pete. So the, the last uh, old crustacean you're going to have in front of you is a 2013. And I think we're actually, we're going to be very spoiled now. Like, it's like you've tried the 16-year-old, you've tried the 9-year-old, now it's like, hey, this is only two years old. And uh, so it's maybe one of those things like you wish you'd never, you know, never done it. But uh, like what you get here, like if you put your, again, put your nose in it, and I'll do it here uh, as we taste it, is the, you know, the, the, the hop aroma is a lot more intense. It's going to be a lot maltier. It's, just, it's, it's a lot more like in your face is what you're going to get from, from this beer. And that's really, again, this, is, this isn't a fresh, this is two years old, right? So uh, it's amazing how, how intense this beer still is. And then if you guys have had, had two, you know, fresh or 2014 or 15 barley wines, then you, you, know, you, you understand what I'm talking about, which is they're even incrementally more bitter and more in your face. Instead, when people say, I don't like barley wines, maybe, maybe what they mean is I don't like, Fresh barley wines. Maybe they haven't had it. You have the opportunity to have an, an aged barley wine. So it's really, it's really a great, a great chance to, to really understand how barley wines do do change. Because again, a, a 16-year-old, a nine-year-old, a two-year-old, and a and a you know quote-unquote fresh or new barley wine, they are all so so different. So uh, again, you're going to get a lot more. It's just very raw. I'd say that the 2013, even though it's two years old, compared to the other two you tasted, it's going to be a lot. Uh, a lot more in your face, and, and again, look at the color. This is the lightest of the three, so hopefully you see the the change in color as this one is has held up more, um, and the proteins haven't fallen out like the 06 and the 
and the 99 halves. So this is really, uh, really fun to, to, for me, again, it was fun to go through the process. It's fun to, to see how the beer changes. And, and think about as you, as you, if you try barley wines now, if you go to, go to a place or buy a bottle, you know, think about that the barley wine you're trying may be only a month old, maybe six months old. And so, so maybe think about, you know, buying a couple bottles and trying one and laying one down. That's what I like to do. I like to try one lay one down try one it's, it's a great a great uh, habit to develop if you can have the patience to not drink because it's you know for me i always want to drink it right so it's right there i want to i want to try it i want to drink it but if you can i think buy one lay one down and barley wines and with what adam's doing uh with dragon's milk is it's a great a great idea if you can develop the patience to and have the seller to to buy one lay one down and kind of develop that uh that ritual for imperial stouts or Braggots or uh, barley wines are great styles. I just kind of have a general question. Um, I was lucky enough to go beneath the Rehoboth Dogfish Head Pub um, earlier this year and saw that they have like all those kegs of positive contact and all that stuff like old. So how big are your stashes of old stuff? If you can tell me. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> have to kill you so when I first started homebrewing I was reading Charlie Papazian The Joy of Homebrewing and uh, what was your all's first beer and how did it turn out so our first beer we were actually founded in a place called Ashland, Oregon which is I don't know how many people have ever been to, to Ashland, Oregon but it's on the it's right on the California and Oregon border. Uh, and so we were, we were founded there in 1988, 27 years ago. And the first beer we ever made was called Oregon Golden. And uh, so it's one of those beers that at the time, so you have, to, you have to rewind 27 years and understand that in 1988, there's no craft beer industry. There's no market. There's, there's no single serve. People don't know what craft beer is. There's less than 50 craft breweries in the country. So you have to Probably some young people in the room that uh, you know think the craft beer was always you know, always as big as it was. I mean, again, there's there's no category. So we made this beer called Oregon Golden, which had 32 IBUs. Which back then people were like, "Do get that beer out of my face!" They're like, "That is too hoppy. That that tastes like crap. Like no one's gonna buy that." You know, we put it into a, a single serve, a, a big bottle, and be like, "Hey, who's gonna pay 2.99 for a big bottle of beer? You guys are out of your mind." So, um, so that was you know that was early days. That's you know that's pioneering, I suppose. So that's what we did. And Oregon Golden, you know, over time, uh, we kind of phased it out. So it was it was maybe it was. Uh, for its time and place, it was it was great, and it was too aggressive back then. And, and nowadays, people would kind of laugh at it. They're like, "What's there's not even a gold nail as a category." So it's 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 basically vanished, gold nail. Yeah. yeah the question is, whatever, bring back gold nail. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I mean, to bring back, like, I think everything has, everything comes full circle. So I think you know, is is there a, is there a day? Is there is it happening right now or? People are coming back to more, you know, sessionable, great, balanced beers. I think that's, that's actually happening right now. I think that, and that's the natural progression of things. And whether or not it's golden or just that general trend, I think that that general trend is happening, which is not everyone wants to drink, you know, 7 8% huge beers every day. So there, there's room for great, gold, great balanced ales. And that, that's really what golden was. And that was, you know, I don't know if it was ahead of its time or not, but um, that's really what golden represented back in... Uh, the early days of Rogue, certainly. 
I sold a shitload of gold and working a rogue, trust me. I, I sold a lot of it. One more question on this beer. If you're intending on aging a beer, are there hop differences? Are there hops that you would choose? You're starting from scratch. You're not following a certain recipe. Let's say you want to put it away for five years. Are there hops that you would choose over others? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that I have a great answer for that, uh, only because what I do, like, my first job is to stay out of the way of our brewmaster. So we, we, no, I'm serious. Like, we've had the same brewmaster for 26 years. So I'll tell you what I'm not going to do, which is to tell him like, which hops to use. I mean, that's, that's what John Meyer, Meyer does. So uh, I, th I think what he would say if he was here you know, about, about a beer like, like, like Old Station that's designed to, to be aged, I'm sure he would say there's, there's some that age better than others. But, but if it's going to age for a long, long period of time, that is probably less important than the malt you choose. So certainly hops, I'm not trying to diminish the role of the hop. The hop has a role. But it, certainly the role of the hop in a, an, a beer you're going to age for a long time is secondary to the to the malt profile and how you construct the beer in terms of the the malt bill that we put together. Okay, Adam, bring us on home. All right, um, we've got the 2013. I, w I just want to answer your question too. I'm like, for the trust me, Charlie Papazian's book for me was when I was 17 years old. I mean, it was this incredible book and. Uh, Brewed my first batch of beer in my fraternity house when I was 17. I mean, like, like that's, uh, I've, all, Brett will give me shit about this, but all I've done my entire career is sell beer. I mean, I, I just, this industry is just incredible. It's just the most incredible amount of people. It's an incredible lifestyle and um, incredible food. I mean, I, I always say, and I'll, I'll always go on record, it's a rock and roll lifestyle without the paycheck. I mean, it really is. <laughs> You know, it's just it's great people, great food. I mean, great friendships. I mean, it's just a, it's just like an incredible industry. I mean, I had my parents in town last week, and my dad was like, "I'm so proud of you." I'm like, "What? Some fucking beer? Thanks, Dad." I mean, it sounds like <laughs> Christ, <laughs> never would one kid from North London be able to be transcend this industry. So, um, what you have here is the 2013. Um, dragon's milk. Now this one was for me quite honestly big chocolatey, rich roasty, milk chocolate characteristics um, almost like this light effervescent champagne like um, bubbliness to it and this one um, obviously it's you know Brett's rolling around with a bigger wad of, of dollars in his pockets than I am with a 1995 uh, Old Krusty. You know, this is my youngest beer that we have here, but I'll tell you what, this is very much like um, what we put out day in, day out. But it does show a little bit of like fadiness in terms of not so boozy. I get, and I, again, this is just my personal um, opinion of, let me try, try it right now so I make sure I'm not bullshit. <laughs> But, but, but I do get a lot more of this richness to this beer, whereas before we got like more of a sherry characteristic for the 2011, a little more boozy in the 2012. And this one really for me was a little more big, bold, a little more what you look for in a, in a stout and specifically a bourbon um, aged stout. So I think it's, a, it's really rich and big flavor and uh, ripe. 
mouthfeel. I used to sell olive oil and wine, so I use these stupid terms that was Matt from Spiegel. Now I use these silly wine terms, but um, I get a lot of this, like a, a bigger, bolder, like like bright, brighter beer with this uh, with this beer. So, I don't, questions? Yeah. I, what do you guys think? I like it compared to the other ones. Yeah. The wife likes it compared oh, to the other ones too. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well, first of all, I, uh, I think I agree with your assessment. It's sort of like a, 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 almost like a chocolate milky flavor with some, some bourbon thrown in there. I put more chocolate on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my question is, um, uh, I think going back to an earlier uh, discussion about the, uh, the, your uh, bourbon barrels, um, at what point, well, this might be a two-part question, at what point do you decide that the barrels are done and, and ready to be used as furniture or whatever you're going to use them for? And then have you ever, has, have you ever or whoever is in charge of deciding this decided or, or thought about making the barrels available to home brewers to use rather than turning them into something else? That's interesting. Um, again, it's 90 days on the, the beer and then on the bourbon part of it, it's our massive distiller. It's, it's down to him and blending and how long and so forth. And again, extraction. So, you know, long story short, I can't answer your question, but, uh, um, but no, I mean, he, you know, it's, it's up to his lead. And, and again, we're doing a lot of blending. I mean, we'll do, you know, we'll do 30,000 cases of spirits. I mean, and 15, 20,000 of that is bourbon. So that's kind of, his call on that, <laughs> funny story. Um, I, I moved to Holland in December, a guy across the street from me has this nice wine bar uh, whiskey barrel is right next to his mailbox and uh, comes over, never met the guy, right? I'm not, I'm not a very personable person with a sales guy. Um, <laughs> he, he comes over and says, hey, do you work in New Holland? Yeah, yeah, and this and that. He's buying our whiskey barrels and he's doing his own furniture too. He's no home brewer, but he's, all of a sudden I find out that we're not selling barrels anymore. So next thing I know, I'm his best buddy, right? Across the street. So, but no, I, I, that's interesting. I, I'll take that back to the brewery. I think that's something that, um, you know, again, the AHA is important to the lifeblood of what we do, Brett and I, in terms of selling beer. So that's something that, you know, maybe we could put together a barrel program for home brewers, I think. Okay, we got time for one more quick question. This may be a loaded question, but I'm curious, are you aging any other stouts besides your own? Any other brands of stouts besides your own? Do you, are you just particularly loyal to your own or do you look at other stouts and just do it on the side? I, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can bail Adam out. I know he's he's pretty nervous. Yeah. Oh yeah. So no, I mean, look at this guy. I'll, I'll tell you, I like, taught him everything he knows. This is what he won't tell you guys. Jack's kid, Jack Joyce, who ran Rogue, was a hero. Here's the truth. We, I think, most of us as as uh, you know, passionate people in the industry, as as brewers or as you know, whatever we do, we cross drink. Like we we try each other stuff because. That's, that's part of the fun of the job. We, we try each other's stuff because that's, that's the beauty of it. And it's not because we're trying to, like, check it out. Like, it's ours better, but because that's just, you know, 
I, call, I tell my wife, hey, it's market research. Like, I'm, I'm working. So, so my, my cellar is loaded with other people's stuff. And I, you know, I'm not here to say, hey, Rogue is, you know, the best every day, every style. Like, you know, there's amazing brewers across the country, including New Holland. Hopefully what we do, there's, you guys are going to taste them on the floor and savor. There's amazing beers across this country. So I try it all. So, you know, barrel-aged, not barrel-aged. In my cellar, I try it every day. I, you know, when I travel, I come to D.C., I try the local stuff because that's, to me, that's, that's the beauty of what we do. We get to try the, the interesting things that people are doing across the country. So I personally, I don't know what, you know, what Adam's answer is, but I, I cross-drink, I cross-cellar, I try everyone's stuff. Yeah, I, I, I collect beer. I mean, let's face it, right? I mean, it's, it take, it's, to be in the wine industry, and, and again, I don't want to alienate anybody, Matt, um, you know, you got to spend a hundred bucks, right, to get an education on one style of quote-unquote wool glass wine, right? A hundred-dollar bottle of wine, rated right 92 points in the spectator, right? I can go out and spend a hundred bucks and get nine to ten different beers, right? And they're world-class beers. They're the greatest beers ever made in the, in the entire world. So I'm, I'm with Brett. I mean, I love my cellar. I mean, you can go to my house. It looks like a liquor store. I have one area of it. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's, I, I collect everybody's stuff. I mean, I, I, I just quite honestly recently just started buying New Holland stuff because I realized I didn't have anything but everybody else's beer, right? So, I mean, I really just started, holy shit, I better buy what I, pays the mortgage, right? And, and, but, I mean, again, it's just like I think there's so many incredible beers out there, and for $100 you can buy 10 $10 bottles of beer, and it's the best beer ever made in the world sell them and sit on them and enjoy them. Thanks to you guys, thank you. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2015, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2015, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.